Jean Charest is in. Of course, we've known he's going to be in the leadership race for the, the conservatives, the federal conservatives for some time. But I think some people are a little surprised that he's launching tonight in Calgary. Would the former Quebec premier not be better off launching his campaign in, I don't know, Quebec? Well, not if you want to win the leadership of the conservative party, but he is going to face some stiff competition. Of course, Pierre Polyev is already declared. Leslie Lewis is declared. Patrick Brown expected to declare this weekend. To talk about the conservative race, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program Dr. Lori Turnbull, who's an associate professor at the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie. Welcome back, Lori. Um, are, are you surprised that Charest is using Calgary to kick this off? Well, I mean, it does seem a bit odd, given the fact that he's, you know, so clearly from Quebec and, and you know, that's this is where he's kind of got his his political grounding. However, I think he's trying to do a couple of things by announcing from Calgary. I think he's he's trying to show, you know, listen, he understands that there's really a lot of strength for the party in the West and he's coming out just trying to identify with that and extending himself, right? Like just going out and being available in Calgary and doing it from there. It's a sign of respect, I think, to the fact that the the party is so strong in the West. I think it's also about him trying to establish and not necessarily establish, but kind of, you know, run a counter narrative to questions about his conservative credentials. So Polyev is going to try to counter his whole candidacy by saying, this guy's not really a conservative. He's a liberal. And so, you know, he's he's going out there and situating himself as a, as a conservative in Calgary. And so seeing that as a kind of jumping off point for his campaign. Right. And it, it does have the echoes of O'Toole's successful strategy last time around of declaring himself to be the Western candidate. They did that out yeah. of the gate. And, and we, we kind of come back to this whole who is the true conservative, which is this weird sort of fight that the conservatives are having with themselves right now. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's going to, it's going to be that, right? Like it's going to be a contest for the leaders, the leadership, obviously, but it is also, you know, and this has become a bit of a cliche at this point talking about the conservatives, but it is a kind of battle for the soul of the party. Where is the party going to go at this point? Under Stephen Harper's leadership, there was this sense of a very pragmatic coalition of factions who were coming together, not because they got along with everything, but because they wanted to beat the liberals. And the only way they were going to do that is to be together. I think the fact that they were winning, you know, he formed three governments. That's a good way to keep a coalition together, right? Like there's something in it for everybody. But once you're not winning and you're on the opposition benches and you've got a little more time for self-reflection and things like that, and Harper's gone, it seems like that coalition has kind of unraveled a bit and it doesn't seem like a natural one anymore. And so is there going to be a leader who can pick up the reins of that coalition? Coalition, or is there going to be a leader that makes a new coalition? One's that one that looks like it's able to mount an alternative to government that is going to make the conservatives happy and also going to extend more broadly. How much Harper, how much sway does Harper have of the party right now? He's made it clear that he doesn't want Charest. Mm. Yeah, I mean that he's made that clear for a while. And to be honest, like we often see former leaders stay out of this type of stuff. Right. Like they don't express their opinion about who should win because they're who should not because they're they've had their time and they're trying not to, you know, kind of continue to remake the party in their image. They're sort of leaving it alone and saying it's someone else's turn now. Harper's not doing that. He's you know, he's certainly willing to organize against Charest. Uh, to be quite vocal about what he hopes happens with the direction of the party. And so that's a bit unusual for like a, a former statesman kind of thing. But I think he, there are certainly like people who still 
look to him for advice and find his find his commentary and his positions to be important. And so he's certainly not, um, you know, he, he's not irrelevant in this conversation. And I think if he if he gets involved, it could have an it could certainly have an effect. Let's talk about Patrick Brown for a moment. Uh, the Toronto Star has an interesting piece today suggesting that there's some kind of informal alliance between Brown and Charest to make sure that a moderate uh, will yeah. win the leadership. There, there's that angle, but I think sometimes people forget how leaderships are won, and they're won by signing up members. Yeah. And I've seen Patrick Brown in in action. I mean, when he came in to try and win and successfully win the leadership of the PC party, he was unknown. Un, uh, he was just counted out like this guy was who is this guy but he signed up more members than anybody else because that's how you win so i yeah. wouldn't count him out oh i think it would be a big mistake to count him out i think he's he is a fantastic campaigner fundraiser retail politician he can go into a room and light it up and make the place of you know a room full of patrick brown supporters he's great at signing up members and he's got i think a you know, the fact that the campaign is going to take six months is a big advantage for him because his name recognition is quite high in Ontario, of course, not so much outside. And the, and the way the rules work is that, you know, every, every constituency matters. It's not just about winning the cities and they're the most populous areas. So you're going to come first kind of thing. It's not that it's, it's, there's a waiting system so that the constituencies are all given a chance to make a difference. And so whoever wins is going to have to do that, that broad appeal in enough places and come second and third enough times so that they've got a consensus around them. And I I think that kind of set of rules will give, you know, that that's good news for Patrick Brown, as opposed to Pierre Polyev, who is the front runner now, and in some ways only has ground to lose in a way, not that it's all zero sum, but you know what I'm saying? Like it's right. You know, he could fall from that position and the others are playing. It got six months to make gains. And, and it's all about the second choice. And, and just in terms of dates um, you have until April 19th to actually join the race June 3rd to, to sell memberships. But the way it works is that it's that second choice that is so key. So if Brown can convince all Charest supporters that they want to go to him, and that's not that's not a given considering how outspoken he has been about Quebec issues. And, and there may be Quebec members that aren't going to be too happy to, to see Brown. And on the flip side, though, on, on the more socially conservative side, I think you got to look at what where's Leslin Lewis's supporters going to go on the second ballot. That's it. And because I think the fact that there are a number of strong candidates here and the fact that the party is quite divided means that there is no way there's going to be like a first ballot win for anybody here. There's no one who's going to slam dunk this thing. And so those second and third preferences are going to matter a lot. And so that's why, you know, I don't know what kind of exact arrangements Patrick Brown and Jean Charest may have worked out here, but to the extent that they're talking to one another about growing the progressive kind of more centrist side of the party, and then lining up behind one another, you know, depending on how the vote goes, that's sensible to me, right? In the sense that they both have, it's not all zero sum for the first while in terms of signing up members and, and creating space for that side of the party, there's good reason for the two of them to work together. And then they're not really competitors the whole time. They're, you know, they've got something to gain together. Same is true for Pierre Polyev and somebody like Leslie Lewis, because they're going to have reasons to kind of appeal to the same sort of uh, voter base and around the social conservatives, fiscally, you know, fiscal conservatives, although they will all claim to be fiscally conservative. 
they've got some space to grow that side of the party and then stack their vote when the time comes. And so it's interesting, like, even though there are a number of candidates, I think we might see this sort of, you know, competition creep up between the more socially conservative side of the party and the progressive side. And absolutely, like, what, what have we learned for the last two, two leadership contests is that the person who's won has done it by appealing to the social conservative side of the party. And then you're on top of the party and you can't win the election. And so that's why Sheree is saying, I'm built to win. I'm going to win this for you. Vote for me because I can win. And so, you know, wh- whether he's, he ends up being right or not is another story, but it's a compelling argument. I, just, I, I mean, I've just seen this play. I've read this book so many oh, times, yeah. which is the social conservative portion of the party is small. It's motivated. It's what, why Doug Ford is the premier right now in, in the province of Ontario. The same sort of thing, the same leadership. Uh, you, you, you run, you know, in the center, but you make sure that the social conservative uh, has you as your, as the second choice. And that's how you win. And that's how we've, we've had, but you're suggesting that that puts the conservatives maybe right back where they were with a leader who might not be able to win federally. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you, you have that possibility, right? Because the other thing is how the leader plays it once you've gotten there. Once you've, I mean, every, I think probably every person who's been leader of a major party and then went to be the premier or prime minister would say, yeah, my campaign to be the leader wasn't exactly the same as my campaign to be the premier or the prime minister. Of course it's not, right? You're running a different race. You're appealing to different people. You've got different, you know, incentives and strategies that you need to employ. That's not a problem. The problem if it's, is if it's a complete contrast to who you said you were during the leadership. So Aaron O'Toole, you know, he, he ran by, by running almost like a, a, like a quiet campaign where he was doing these Zoom meetings with different groups across the country and he was saying all the, the right things and shaking hands on those things. And then he becomes a leader. And guess what? People expect you to do all that stuff that you said you were going to do. Now you're running a campaign that looks like Justin Trudeau light and all those people are pretty angry at you now. So even though he actually won the popular vote, it's not enough, right? And so that's where I think there is a bit of a, there's a disconnect sometimes between what the conservatives are saying they want for the leader and then what they expect that leader to do when, when they're running to be prime minister. So the question, I think, for the next person, are they going to follow the same fate as Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole, or are they going to find a way to, to make their leadership longer by doing better in the election? Lori, great to talk to you as always. I know we'll talk again about the race as it continues to heat up. That'd be great. Thank you. That's Dr. Lori Turnbull, who is Associate Professor of Political Science and Director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University.